Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thank you for joining us on the journey today. Roger, we are back this week after a little bit of a summer break, and we've got two Fridays left here in the month of July. Over the course of those two Fridays, today and next Friday, we want to talk about some life lessons from Lot. Yeah, we don't talk a lot about Lot, and uh, there's some powerful, powerful lessons there. And so we want to go back to Genesis 13 and get uh, one of the first lessons we learn here about Lot. And it's going to take us into the area and the discussion about making choices. And that is a major part of our life. And uh, whether it's a simple choice such as what outfit am I going to wear today to major choices such as careers and marriage and things such as that, uh, we we need to see the spiritual value of how it is uh, important to make these choices based upon what God says. So back in Genesis 13, we're kind of introduced to Abram and Lot. And Abram, or Abraham as we know him later on, is the uncle. He's older, and he's chosen by God to go to a city he does not know. That's what Hebrews 11 tells us. So Lot tags along with him. Lot wasn't really charged to go with Abraham, but he decides to go with him. And we're told that both of them had a lot of livestock. And in fact, it says in Genesis 13, verse 6, the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for the possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And the following verse says, there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's lot and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now, the Canaanite and the Perzites were dwelling in the land. So, so we have a situation, we have a problem. We got too many livestock. We can't live together. The land will not uh, allow all these animals to nourish and to eat as they should. So they have to split up. And so in verse 8, Abram says to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. If to the right, then I will go to the left. Now what's interesting there right away is we see a little bit of the characteristic of Abraham. I mean, Abraham was the one who's on this divine mission, not Lot. Abraham was older than Lot. And so we would naturally think the one who ought to take the choice first would be Abraham. But he deferred to Lot. And if you want to go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. But you choose first. And so verse 10 of Genesis 13, it says, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as far as you go to Zor. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward, thus they separated from each other. And the following verse tells us that Abram went down to the land of Canaan. So here we see this division here, this, this the choices that they made. And Lot's choice was based upon eye appeal, what he saw. It, he chose the, the land that would be great for his livestock, a lot of water, a lot of green pasture, and 
on surface that looks like the best choice he could make. And we'll kind of talk about this here in just a minute, and then we're going to kind of put in some other verses as we go along. Yeah, Roger, you and I both have been blessed to travel in this part of the world, and you know as you stand on some of these high points looking around, in various places, there's not a lot of green to be seen, right? <laughs> there's a lot of baked brown and shades of tan and things like this. And so I think the narrator is is really drawing our attention to this is a choice that was made based on sight. It is before uh, the cataclysmic events that come on Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, how amazing, lush this valley must have been to deserve a description like the Garden of the Lord. That's not everywhere in that area, but this was a green, fertile, I mean, it sounds like paradise, right? And it is the choice that naturally would be made by just about anybody if they are simply making the choice based on outward appearances in the moment. Well, that's look good. Uh, that's the direction I will go. But of course, the, the reason this is worth our reflecting on thousands of years later, it's a good reminder choices have consequences. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, we know just a couple of chapters later that uh, God tells Abraham he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham pleads with God not to do that. And it, it's almost like a, a backward auction. Abraham says, well, if there's 50 righteous people, and God said, I would preserve it. If there's 50, then goes down to 45 and 40 and 30. It gets all the way down to 10 people. What if there's 10 righteous people? God would preserve the cities. But there was not 10 people. Two cities, and there was not 10 righteous people. And so what we're seeing right away here is what looks good to the eye oftentimes is not good for the heart or for the soul. And these cities were very, very corrupt. We know when the angels come to visit Lot and to uh, warn him and to get him out of that city, that the men of Sodom and Gomorrah <clears throat> surrounded Lot's house, and and they they wanted to have intercourse with these angels. They they wanted to bring them out, these strangers. And 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 what we just see is is just the, the depraved corruption and the evil within these hearts. Lot missed all that. All he saw was green grass and water, and he didn't think about the spiritual atmosphere. And so when we think about our choices and the choices that we'll have to make in our lives, what often looks good on paper, we need to realize that what kind of spiritual impact does it have upon me, my family, and such things as that. Now, we know this is one of several examples in the Bible where someone saw and they weighed what they saw and decided to take what they are seeing, and it didn't always work out well. What sort of examples come to your mind along those lines? Well, very early in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, when the serpent is talking to Eve, 
Uh, the Bible says Eve saw that the fruit was good. She looked at that. Now, had that been an old brown banana, you know, <laughs> she, she probably would have said, I'll pass on that, or an old worm sticking out of an apple. She said, no, no thanks. But it was delight to the eyes, and that was the basis upon her choosing that. We remember in the book of Joshua, chapter 7, that Achan, when they came to Jericho and they were to not take anything back, that he saw silver and gold, and and the text even tells us that he coveted it. I saw it. I wanted it, the Bible says, and I took it. And as a result, the, the next place they went on to, they suffered a defeat. He had disobeyed God because he took some of the things that was under the ban. He were not to do that. Then we think about in the book of Samuel where David is on his rooftop and he sees Bathsheba bathing. He saw her and he wanted her. And so once again, these are four examples running through our Bible of people seeing things and making choices or decisions based upon the surface, what looks good to me, what feels good, what I want, and forgetting the spiritual value that's found later on in those things. So it's not surprising, obviously, that, for instance, the Apostle Paul would pick up on this basic principle in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we know verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Let me just back up a little and read a little bit of that context, and I'll, I'll end in verse 7, and then Roger just asks, okay, what, what's it going to look like every day to walk not by sight, but by Faith In this particular context, 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, We know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, I, I can't see that with my physical eyes, right? All that I can see with my eyes is a body that is slowly weakening and aging. But he continues, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. That seven verses is full of things we can't see with our physical eyes. We can't see the Spirit. We can't see God. We can't see this eternal home in the heavens. We can't yet see eternal life with God. And yet, in light of these Old Testament examples we've already noticed, in in light of the hope that is available to us in Christ, we are being called not to simply walk based on what we can see. So, Roger, what's that going to look like in 2022 for the average disciple of Christ? Well, you know, in the chapter before, 2 Corinthians 4, Paul would talk about these momentary light afflictions. 
uh, they were being persecuted and they were suffering. And that, that carries through that fourth chapter pretty heavily. And so, so to walk by faith means I, I may do some things that God wants me to do, but it may not be popular with others. Uh, it, it may not be what my friends want me to do, but, but I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And what's safe, what's easy, what's convenient, what may help me personally may not be what's going to help me spiritually. And so, so the apostle would endure these hardships knowing that he was walking with God, and that was the most important thing. So what's always the, the, the easy is not always the best. What always is the most profitable is not always the best. And so we have to look at it in that way. So, so in 2022, this is what this looks like. Uh, here's a young person, and they get a, a full-ride scholarship to a university. Uh, everything's paid for. Man, that looks good. But they realize there is no congregation of God's people in that town. And so will he go four years without worshiping? Now, he's got a full ride. Man, who, who, who would turn that down? Well, well, I walk by faith and not by sight. Sounds a lot like Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot looking down from that mountaintop. Boy, that looks good. But even in Genesis 13, we're reminded the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. If I don't have any godly support system where I'm choosing to go to school, aren't I walking along a similar great line of danger? Sure. So here, here's a here's a young man and young lady, and they're dating, and they have a great relationship, and they make each other laugh, and they they like each other, and one is a Christian, one is not a Christian, and one's going to propose. And all they look at is the green valleys of Sodom. All they see is the water of, of this. He has a great job. His family likes me. Everything, everything looks good on paper. But is this the person that's going to worship with me? Is this the person that's going to help me get to heaven? Is this the person that can pour my soul out and they're going to guide me godly as God wants me to? See, is this the one who's going to be the head of the house and that head is going to lead me toward heaven? So again, once again, that this idea of what looks good on the surface sometimes isn't spiritually. Uh, we can talk about someone getting a promotion and maybe has to move to another town. And it's a similar thing with that college student. What if there's no congregation nearby? But I can double my salary, we would say. What an incredible opportunity that is. But if I don't have any of God's people with me, what's that going to do to me spiritually? You know, and, and, and one of the things we remember about Genesis 13, you know, we, when we sometimes get with our young people and we ask them what's the shortest verse in the Bible and everyone runs to John 11, Jesus wept. Well, there is another verse that just has one more word and that's also in the book of Luke and there it says, remember Lot's wife. And that's kind of telling. You know, Lot, Lot had sheep that I'm sure just prospered. They probably got real fat eating that green grass and all that. And But there was a cost, a cost to his choice. And there was a cost spiritually to his family. And so when we think about making choices, one of the things we need to do is consider the consequences. Uh, if I move here, if I say yes to this person who asked me to marry them, if I do this, what's the consequences when I stretch this out? What's it going to do to my influence? 
What's it going to do to me spiritually? Am I going to be better off because of this, or am I not going to be better off for this? Sometimes it's good to get advice, and, and who you ask for advice really matters too. Ask somebody who's a Christian. Ask one of the shepherds. Ask one of the preachers. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Does, does this sound like a good idea to me? And again, how different that would be if we don't have that in our life. From the standpoint of a disciple of Jesus, this makes me think of Paul in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. I mean, he acknowledges, okay, we, we're in this world. Um, uh, just like by Abram moving one direction, uh, Lot moving one direction, they're, they're still going to be in the world, right? Now, one valley is particularly known for being against the Lord. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 is not calling us to leave the world behind. We're in the world, but he says in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because, sounds a lot like Genesis 13, the days are evil, therefore, here's the directive straight from God himself, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The fool, we spent a good amount of time, Roger, several weeks ago looking at how God describes fools, and one of the foundational ways in the book of Proverbs a fool is described is, well, I see it, I want it, so I'm going to take it. I I, I see it, and I think that would be good for me, so I'm not going to think about it, I'm not going to ask for advice, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I I feel like saying it, and so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. That is the exact opposite of what Christians are being called to understand what the will of the Lord is. Paradise in this instance, Genesis chapter 13, was a package deal, right? And that package wasn't investigated. It wasn't carefully weighted into a decision was simply made based on what I see as disciples of Jesus, we've got to be wiser than that. So, so, and I think you're hitting on that. Let's let's just kind of pull the cover back and really talk about that. We go back there to Genesis 13, uh, and you had Lot right before you. What would you tell him? Yeah, yeah. I would say first of all, okay, what sort of reputation does this valley have? Let's talk about that. Wisdom, part of wisdom is looking down the road before I ever take a step, right? I Roger just this past Sunday I heard you make the remark to someone in the foyer that we don't have to make every bad decision in the book in order to understand some things are good, some things are bad. Well, I don't have to become a drunk in order to understand the dangers of alcohol, I think was the specific example that you shared. And so, okay, we know this valley has a particular reputation. The men of Sodom are wicked, we're told, before Lot ever leaves that mountaintop. I would appeal to him to realize influences are strong. Lot, you might think you're going to go down and have a good sort of influence. A lot lot of people decide, okay, I know this is going to be challenging, but I'll be an influence for good. Well, maybe. I, I hope so. I pray so. But realize 
that influence goes both ways. And Lot, you are taking not only yourself, but your wife and two daughters into this situation. If you do that, what sort of influence is going to meet your children head on? What else would you add? Well, you know, it's always easier to walk downhill than it is uphill, (laughs) you know? And, and that's the same thing morally. It's always easier to lose your morals, to go along with others, than it is to stand up and to get them to improve themselves. And so that, that's a concept there. You know, when we look at the, when we look at the situation as presented to us, okay, uh, the land could not sustain them. They had too many livestock. Maybe, you know, of course, we, we don't think about this physically, but maybe Lot should have just sold some of his herd. And say, you know what? Uh, you can go left. I can go left. Or, and but but going left isn't. It's not good for either one of us. Uh, you know, if, if I choose to go the other direction, I put Abram in that area. That's not good for him either. Uh, no righteous person should be in there because it's so corrupt, so immoral. So maybe I need to sell some stuff. Maybe I got too much stuff. And maybe I just need to tag along with Abraham, and together we can have a fellowship, and we can strengthen each other rather than being separate. Now, we don't think about those things. We think about, man, you know, that would cost me and and such things. But maybe that's the practical thing to do sometimes. And maybe that's the thing that's going to help me spiritually. We often sing that hymn, this world is not my home. But sometimes we have a hard time living that out, and we need to see the truth of that. Yeah, I think a, a simple way of applying that to ourselves, you know, it's, it is awfully easy to accept more and more and more responsibilities, obligations. We're right on the brink of a brand new school year starting. Well, there are six different doors open to our kids. Why not involve them in six different things, six different opportunities wisdom at times is willing to evaluate and say, okay, this opportunity is out there. This, the, the opportunity to add this fresh responsibility is there. But if I do that, will I still be able to maintain and nurture what is most important? Sometimes saying no, selling off, sacrificing, maybe that's exactly what I need to do to save what matters most. Absolutely. And so so we see in this lesson a choice. And every day you and I make choices. And we have to live with the consequences of these choices, as did Lot. And as you turn a couple pages more in the, in the story of the book of Genesis, you see the sorrow that's going to come about when his wife dies in disobedience. You know, when, when Jesus says, remember Lot's wife, well, what do we remember? It's much more than she turned around and became a pillar of salt when God said, do not turn around. There was more to that than that. She was married to a righteous man, but that didn't matter at that moment. She partially obeyed the Lord. The Lord said to leave and don't look back. She did leave, but she looked back. And so she kind of obeyed God, but not fully obeyed God. And so with all of our choices, there comes consequences. And some of these consequences can affect us for a lifetime. We make the wrong choices in life, and later on, 
when a congregation is looking for shepherds. It could have been because of the choices I made that my name's not going to be considered because of the choices that I have made. Or they, I will be considered because of the choices I have made. And so, so th- this reminds us that when we are making decisions in life, we're making choices in life, buying houses, moving here, doing this, going to school, all these things that we call life, we've got to look at them through spiritual lenses and see, is this going to help me or is this going to hurt me? Important life lessons from Lot. Lord willing, we'll pick it back up next Friday and look at the back end of those choices. But Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.